0: Asia Tech Podcast, Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem.
1: We are live. This is Pitch Tech Asia. We are in the Singapore studio, Asia Tech Podcast. My name is Graham Brown, joined by the two co-founders of Absolute, Manan Pacha and Harsh Sharma. Gentlemen, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, Graham. Thank you.
1: It's good to have you here. Good to be here. So we're going to talk about Absolute. We're going to talk about your journey coming from India to Singapore the problem that you are solving. And um, I know you've got a few shout outs as well. We'll do those in a minute. Hold fire on those, Manon. Um, So... Let me uh, ask first. You you guys came from Antler? What was the story there? Because obviously we know Antler very well. You've had a uh yep. a So we are currently in the Antler cohort. Yeah. And
2: we essentially started the current program. It started on the twenty first of January. Yeah. And me and her have pretty much just known each other since then.
1: Oh you met at the Yeah, at we
0: met each other at the Antler.
1: Okay. At the what sort of point in your journey did you meet? Because I know they do a lot of sort of um, they place a lot of focus on co-founders meeting on the program, right? Right. On day
2: one, basically, we had introductions. So I heard about Harsh and Harsh heard about me. Right. And then we are both smokers. Okay. So then that's where the real networking happened.
1: It was a marriage made in heaven. <laughs> so you didn't know each other before the program? No. All right. No. Okay. So obviously, I want to know a little bit about your backgrounds as well, because I guess one of you is probably more technical, probably one of you is more sort of front facing and so on. But before we go, there's a shout out. So let's get them out of the way, Manon. All so who, right. who, who do you want to shout out to? And sure. by the way, if you're one of the people that Manan or Harsh is shouting out to, then please let us know in the comments or like this video as well. So go ahead.
2: Absolutely. So first shout out goes to Beyond from Antler. Beyond, you're great. Challenge accepted and delivered. <laughs> All right. Okay. And the second one is to one of my dearest friends, Mr. Dhruv Luthra. And I would like to say sorry live here and Dhruvai, I'm really sorry. Let's get back to work.
1: All right, okay. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. Is that off your chest? Are yes, you done? off my chest. Yes. So was it Bjorn that got you here? Was he the one that said you've got to come?
2: Uh, no, actually. I saw you, I mean, one of your videos, I think one of yeah. your AMAs or something, I can't recall which one. And then I reached out to you on LinkedIn and asked, hey, what's all this about? Okay. And then the story continued from there.
1: Awesome. Good for you. All right. A um, little bit of background first. You're both from India, different parts of India. Yeah. Um, yourself from
0: i'm from uh, western parts of india yeah. rajasthan and uh, yeah earlier i was uh, working in the capital region in the gurgaon for a tech startup for a fintech startup and then i basically came here for this program okay so i was invited here by antler and uh, i came up with a very open mindset to like discuss more ideas and now we are here
1: Right. How, how does Antler invite you? You must have been on their radar beforehand. Was there sort yeah, of a, an I, outreach program or something? Yeah,
0: I actually got some sort of invite from them and I actually didn't have any idea about Antler earlier. Yeah. So then I looked up into them and like yeah, it really interested me.
1: Yeah. Okay. So had you been to Singapore before? No, this is my first right. time. So this was a bit of a risk and an adventure for you exactly, as well. Exactly. Good for you. You made the move. Manam, yourself, what's the story?
2: So my story is, I was actually, I mean, post-working in the corporate world, got a bit of disgruntlement in me, wanted to go do something different. And my idea was, my idea of different was that let me just go and do an MBA. So that'll give me a break I need, and then I'll figure out what to do. So I was trying to apply for INSEAD. Along the way, when I was trying to apply, people told me that, hey, you know what, Antler is something very close to INSEAD. If you have Antler on your resume, Mm. INSEAD is going to accept you faster. I said, okay, fine, no problem. Let me go and figure that out. So I went and applied to Antler.
1: Right. And you haven't been to INSEAD yet? No. That's I, part of the plan? My,
2: my application process is ongoing. I don't know if they're going to take me anymore, but right. yeah,
1: that's where I'm at. It's an option now rather than Absolutely. a destination. Absolutely. okay. It was always
2: an option. It was never yeah. the destination, but right. it was some, a means to an end. Now the means have probably changed.
1: Yeah. That's how it works, right? Okay. <laughs> We're going to talk about Absolute. And this is the startup that you are building currently. So was this conceived in Antler? Did it exist beforehand? When did the company actually exist or get born, so to speak?
2: So in terms of the company's genesis, yes. We incorporated after we came into Antler. And so uh, when we first met, me and Harsh, the first couple of weeks, maybe 10 days or so, we started talking and... I liked what he was building. And I asked him that, why are you building all this? Like, what's the end game to this? Right. And he was like, yeah, we can do this and this and this and this and this. And I'm like, who's buying all this? Hmm. And then we kind of like massage this entire place. So clearly he's the tech and I'm, you know, he's the hacker and I'm the hustler on that one. Yeah. So oh, we both
1: agree on those definitions. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay. Absolutely.
2: Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, we don't have a hipster. So hey, a shout out if any hipster out there. <laughs> you don't need one. you set up. <laughs> so... Um, basically, it, it kind of reached a place where I started giving him ideas that, hey, we can put this here and we can right. do this and we can do this. And I come from a PNG background, so I've worked with FMCG, PNG, ST Lauder, uh, done a decent amount of corporate work. And m- me being me, I kind of went outside of my job scope and kind of have a broader exposure. So mm-hmm. I was in supply chain and PNG. But I do have a decent understanding of what's marketing all about, I have a decent understanding of what sales cycles are all about and all of those things. So I was like, hey, you know what, your solution is great and it mm. can solve a whole lot of problems, but we, we aren't approaching this right. So let's see, you know, what we can do. And then Harsh kind of, you know, agreed to it as
0: well that let's right. go and see where all we can apply this.
1: So at that point, were you just building this on your own?
0: Yeah. So I had one more co-founder with me back in yeah. India. So currently he's working there only. Mm. So yeah but then like the interest faded and uh, I was just uh, working with my regular job and then this opportunity came up right. and then I discussing I started discussing this idea with other people in cohort and that's when uh, Manan got really interested into yeah. it and he started throwing all sorts of idea onto me and I was like yeah
1: that's Good. that's well, I want to find out a bit more about your sort of yes. working relationship as well. It's quite new as well. I mean, what, we're two or three months as a working relationship, so it's been a journey as well for you. Um, and any, you know, partner, investor, or potential hire as well would be interested in that dynamic and how that works out, right? right. The sort of core, the DNA of the organization, right? Yeah. Let's talk about absolute. And maybe if we can um, load up the pitch deck and have a look at that, and we'll just talk off the first through first few slides if we can. So... You're making trust tangible, as it says here. Where are we going with this? Um, Help me understand. What what does that mean?
2: Right. So let me take a bit of a philosophical approach to this, right? Um, Humanity, I mean, the way we are today as a species, as a race, as a mankind, what do we really need to survive? You know, the one thing that you're at rock bottom, what do you need? You need hope. I mean, that's what my, my story is that I need hope. That it's going to get better from here. Tomorrow's going to be a better day. The next week is going to be a better week and so on and so forth. So hope is great, right? It, it, it makes you feel good. It makes you feel comfortable. So people who feel deeply, hope is enough, right? Because that feeling is good enough and it gets them through. But I'm a thinker. Personally, I'm a thinker, right? So I challenge that hope all the time. I don't have trust in that hope.
1: Mm.
2: Well, well, you just say that tomorrow's going to be a better day. What makes me believe and makes me trust that tomorrow's going to be a better day? And that's what we are trying to address, that we are going to make trust tangible.
1: Trust tangible. So
2: that's where the making trust tangible comes okay. in.
1: Well, let's dive into that because there's a solution behind that, obviously. Um, I want to look at what the problem is first. But before we go there, what, what is the market that you're operating in? What, how do you define yourself by the market that you're in? So right now,
2: we, I mean, it's too broad and too, as again, it's three months, mm. so it's too early to say. But in the first month of Antler, they basically asked us and they coached us and guided us that, hey, you guys need a lot of validation. So one thing which one of the mentors uh, at, at Antler mentioned is that go and speak to at least 200 people mm. to go and understand what, I mean, try and bounce around your problem and your solution and see if it sticks. So I kind of went manic on that, right? Literally.
1: How? I, uh, so describe, because so how you did that is really insightful for I was
2: investor. I was literally having eight calls a day with people all over the world. Right. So I don't know if there's a slide on that, but yeah, the last slide, I think. That right. Where do our friends and family kind of come from? Yeah. Okay. If you want fourth to just The one. Yeah, yeah, right. The, the one. About fourth. The one uh, no, it's
1: fourth one. Fourth one.
2: Yeah. All right. See? Okay. So I literally went and connected with every single, literally CXO level person I knew, and fortunately, I know a few people. And I was like, "Let's get into a fifteen-minute call, right? Let me, let me, let me let me help, help me understand. How do you build trust in your industry?" Yeah. So I was in call with Toulouse Airbus. I was in calls with higher people in Delphi. I was in calls with management at Woolworths, with board of directors at Starhub. You know, all of these guys, and. And they are like, yeah, we kind of relate to the problem. Um, the problem is great. We don't know how you are going to solve it. We don't know how anybody right. can solve it. But if you manage to solve it, I am sure people are going to buy it. I don't what, know
1: what was that problem then? What the,
2: the, the trust part, right? Right. That, but
1: what, let, let's sort of so, kind of drill down on that. Picture.
2: Right. So let's say if I talk about FMCG in particular, right? right. So let me talk about. I won't name brands here, yeah. But based on my experience, you can kind of guess the brands. Um, so how they, they are basically worried about counterfeits. They yeah. are worried about when a consumer actually walks into the store and tries to buy their product, they want to make sure that it's coming. The provenance of the product can be proven correctly. Yeah. Every stakeholder in the middle of their defined, regulated supply chain is correctly being, all of their needs are met, so there are no parallel imports and gray market and all of those kind of things. And at the consumer level, who is basically being uh, served by that product, that product, uh, especially if it's a category of in my body, on my body kind of a product, then definitely they want to make sure that w- to give that entire end-to-end transparency.
1: Okay. So you listened to these conversations or you took part in these conversations with 200 people?
2: I haven't reached my 200 mark okay. yet. I actually went a step further. I said I don't want to do 200. I want to do 300. Right. My Excel sheet still says I am 20% short of that.
1: All right. Well, that's good guy. No, so you possible. hustled. That's I, your hustle deck, that's right? That's my hustle. Yeah, we, we did a... Um, I don't know if it's the one that you were talking about, the AMA with two angel investors... Rina Neo, one of the angel investors um, who'll be there on the 20th as well, she was saying, What's more interesting to me is somebody who puts on their pitch deck a slide of who they've hustled, you know, who they've had conversations with, so those 200, 300 people, rather than you know, the 30 under 30 or whatever it may be that you won or right. that, Exactly that is more of a validation. That's for perfect. Right. So I would really like to talk to Rina. <laughs> Excellent. I'm sure. Likewise, uh, you're actually taking on the advice and activating yeah. it. Right.
2: So, I mean, just to give a very tangible example to my hustle. So there, I remember this in the first 10, 12 days, we used to spend a lot of time together and I 2am at night. I'm at his house. He stays at Dunman road and I stay at Bedok. and about 2.30, I call for a go check, right. To go back home. Yeah. Uh, so I the driver is a lady driver and I'm kind of surprised at 2.30 in the morning, I have a female driver, but I, but I start talking, right? Uh, me being me. And I asked her, so what do you do like in the day job? And she's like, I'm a stationery shop owner. And I'm like, okay, what, what stationery shop is this? And it's a pretty nice local brand. And I was like, okay, so how do you reach to your customers? And then she told me all sorts of her problems. And I'm like, okay, so how do you design like your next best stationery, like a notebook? So how do you choose which cover to use? And she's like, yeah, focus groups and all that, but they are too expensive, so we seldom do that. So if you can give me a cheaper solution to that, we'll take it. And I'm like, yeah, I've got a built solution. Like, let's meet for a coffee next week and go do it. Uh, I wrote an email to her. She hasn't gotten back to me yet, but we have a solution ready for her. So that's my hustle, which I immediately, the two of us kind of converted into a product. So next time I meet a stationary shop, I'm not going to ask for a problem. I'm like, here's the solution.
1: There you go, you're ready to go. Okay, well, let's talk about the problem and the solution so we can, um, you know, Help identify exactly what this is. If you go into the pitch deck, um, if we can jump forward, on slide five, that you've actually identified that some of the problems here. Um, for those people who are not watching on this on video, maybe just listening on audio, maybe you can just be a bit descriptive about what's here. So the problems that we care about, and then we're going to jump in and have a look at the solutions sure. as well. So what does it say on this slide here?
2: So businesses essentially face challenges while uh, you know marketing their branding and. Recently I attended an event called Brands for Good. Uh, it's an initiative supported by Maybank. Hmm. And there I learned something really cool, right? So one of these marketing gurus, he comes up and he says, "What is really marketing and what is branding? you know And what exactly is it supposed to do? So let's take let's take an example of a nail, a hammer, and the surface in which you hammers that nail. So the surface in which you hammer that nail is essentially the customer's mind. The nail is your brand, right? The idea that you are different, you're going to solve something, you're going to do something differently. And the hammer is your marketing. So the, way, the, the harder you market yourself, the better you market yourself, the better your nail is going to be driven. So, so we, we kind of said, okay, we're going to build a new hammer, right? So, because today's hammers are all broken. Mm. The, today's hammers would be like print media, digital media, social media, and all of them have problems. So we said we are going to go and do something differently and help these brands market themselves better, and that's essentially what our solution does. Okay, what is that? So we'll go back to the, we'll go that on the next slide. Yep. But just the other problem which I've mentioned over there is in terms of businesses facing issues with counterfeiting. So this is again counterfeits are a massive problem. Of course, normal products mm. like if you want to pay if you are paying for a real Adidas shoe. You want to make sure you get a real Adidas shoe. You don't, I mean, Two, two months later, yep. you don't want to know that it's a fake and get feel shortchanged. And that feeling of shortchange is something which will make you never buy that Adidas again. So that is something which we are trying to avoid. Um, of course, in the case of shoes and clothes, it may not be a life and death situation. But in the, clothes of, cl- uh, in the case of pharmaceuticals, yeah, in the case sure. of
1: food. Food, especially here yeah, in Asia. Yeah. yeah. So
2: it becomes a life and death situation. And that's what we are essentially helping
1: target. Okay so the solution is
2: yeah so the solution is essentially a completely new way to create a digital touch point between any product which you are holding in your hand and connecting you directly to the com- most trustworthy source which is the maker of the brand mm-hmm. so let's say i create a digital touch point where you go ahead and basically can interact with the product and the product allows you to connect securely to the maker of the brand And then the maker tells you that, hey, these are the realities of my product. Mm -hmm. If you have any questions, directly talk to me and I will sort them out. Then you don't need any of the noise of the social media. Then you don't need to spend so much as print media, which is not even targeted. Then you don't need to direct traffic to your website because these guys are completely involved with your product at the time when they are. Being involved either at, in the in the store when they are purchasing it or when they actually have the product in
1: hand, mm-hmm. and essentially that's the solution. So let's say I have a Louis Vuitton handbag, right? As an example, I'm a consumer. I'm going to buy this. How does this then work? Is it an on on bag? RFID code or so, some yeah, like QR code? Exactly, or, exactly. Explain so. to me the technicalities of this.
2: Right, so from a technical standpoint, it could be any of those things, right? RFID, QR, near-field communication, right. any of those. Uh, and we are now creating the backend scalable solution that today Louis Vuitton comes in, ready to go, Hermes comes in ready to go. Right. Uh, Xenia comes in ready to go. So that's the. So, what's
1: it likely to be? I'm just trying to. What,
2: so, what, there I, is a slide on that, I think. Yeah, I think the key here in. is to
1: try to picture this in people's minds because we're talking conceptually. The more that we can sort of show people this yeah. is the actual application, even though there are many potential channels. Absolutely.
2: Here. So, we've got a slide on that. Yeah. So, okay. so basically, it's a phone app. So yeah. It could be a shape of anything. We are just working on an app yep. right now. And then that connects using QR or NFC technology to any of these products. And then it securely connects you back to the back end, which is a trusted destination, which is controlled only by the brand owner and the maker of right. the products.
1: How do I know it's controlled by the brand owner? So it's not... that's the authenticity that we yeah.
2: build. And of course, we are playing with how we how do we kind of safeguard those things. So you're okay. right on raising that question. Yeah. Because it might
1: be a, a fake. Absolutely. Shop front, absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Like. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So we are base. we 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 will the, the challenge that we are at now is building ourselves to be be seen as credible ourselves so we kind of become the gold standard of credibility
1: right okay so let's review effectively you've identified the problem of trust and we're talking about counterfeit for example as one area because obviously that is a huge revenue leakage and a brand issue for many um, cpg or even pharmaceutical brands fnb brands and so on so there's a real issue there they're losing money. It's a, it impacting their brand negatively. So, uh,
0: so this particular problem of counterfeit, it, it has a threefold effect. Okay. So first one is the consumer because he's being shortchanged, he or she is being shortchanged. Second one is the brand; they are losing out on their trust, and uh, the third one is the government because they are ro- losing out on their taxes. Tax, yeah.
1: Yeah. And maybe so, even environment in some issues. <coughs> exactly. Yeah. It yeah. could be anything. Okay.
0: And if uh, let's say if it if it is a particular case of pharmaceutical, it is it is directly
1: affecting your health. Right. Yeah. Like it could well, affect okay. your life. Can we then, just as an example, because I think the key, the key with such an early stage startup is to paint pictures in people's minds that this is where it could be used in a day-to-day basis. Even though, you know, the, the platform is not fully ready yet, let's sort of give people an idea of what's to come so they can get on board with it. Because you, you live in this world, right, but everybody you're talking to doesn't. So they're, they're sort of getting a, a diluted version of what's going on in your conversations on a day-to-day. So we talked about, for example, Pharmaceutical. So in that case you'd put like for example a QR code on a medicine pack and yeah. somebody can actually verify these are real. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a big issue. I mean so, not so much in the developed world, but in the but developing in world deal. there's a real Absolutely. issue, right? With Absolutely. with fake pharmaceuticals in India has a real issue and Africa as well, yeah. right? So there's one. Where else could the, Louis Vuitton handbags for example? Yeah,
2: so and it doesn't stop with that, right? So with Louis Vuitton, then the next stage to it is also the second hand economy because Typically, you buy a yeah. Louis Vuitton, you buy it for like 15, 20, 100,000. I don't know what the number is. But then after three months, you want to change it. You want to sell it off to secondhand to someone. Yeah. And you've got to again prove the authenticity. Now, you as Graham may, may not be able to prove that authenticity. So how do you do it? Okay, it comes with this is the original chip or whatever, the NFC mm-hmm. or a QR or whatever on it. And then basically, this is real. In fact, I was just on a Shopart showroom uh, just yesterday uh, and I was talking to the watch, uh, the, 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 the lady, the salesman, and I, I think I kind of troubled her. So I need to apologize to her as well. But so I went in with a friend who bought a $40,000 watch, right? And he had gone there to service something and he got a replacement for it. And the watch came with a piece of paper, which was which seemed to be a certificate of authenticity. Mm. And I was like, hey, you know what? This watch is worth $40,000. I could reverse engineer this piece of paper for 5000 Right, so it is protecting something worth a lot more than the cost of reverse engineering that paper. How yeah. are you protecting me? I don't believe this. This is toilet paper.
1: Yeah, I mean, if somebody can fake a watch, they can fake exactly a right? right. I mean, how I mean, the, difficult? The certificate is a lot less exactly. complicated than uh, the mechanics of a watch. right? Exactly, exactly. Okay. So
2: I was like, you're protecting something, yeah, and telling me to believe your protection, which is be- which is basically protecting something of higher value, where so much of effort and value hasn't gone into the Protective uh, re- uh, layers itself. So yeah. how do you kind of make this happen? So she kind of got pissed off at me, but hey, I kind of validated the problem.
1: Okay, very good. Pharmaceutical, luxury. Um, so anything cosmetics. like even spare parts. So we spoke Cosmetic. to cosmetics. cosmetics yeah. How, how would it work in, for example, F and B? So food. So there's a real issue with provenance of food here in Asia as well. Obviously, China's had a, a you know, there's many horror stories of fake. Um, foods, obviously, but also food sourced from, you know, the wrong sources with the wrong chemicals. The
2: wrong sources, wrong chemicals, even fair trade, you know, a whole yeah. lot of things are
1: problems, Fake right? organic, Fake all organic, stuff, yeah. all
2: of that, right? So now, basically, of course, it's not an immediate solution that we can build, but the way to look at it would be that all of the answers to these questions, if you have them right, can be digitized and basically put into a secure location and can be made accessible to someone who wants to access them. So, I mean, going back to other verticals, you know, automation, automobiles, uh, aviation, yeah. I kind of had a word with the ex CEO of Auto Bavaria. And he was like, Yeah, this, what you guys are doing is pretty cool. Uh, you know, we face this problem on a daily basis. Yep. What about the spare parts? You know, there are, so he gave me this in- interesting term saying, uh, So, spare parts are of different types. One is it comes from the manufacturer which is expensive and good quality, nothing to be worried about. The second quality, so the second type is basically the OEMs. So the OEMs kind of build the spare parts mm. and sell it, but they don't have to pay the licensing fee anymore, so they are cheaper, but they're good enough. And the last category is the scary one because they are known as will-fit parts. So, so you go to a cheap mechanic, and he says, okay, this will fit, just go ahead and put it in, but then your car breaks down on the causeway. So how do you help make sure, and sometimes the scrupulous mechanics can go ahead and... Mm. Uh, uh, but, you know, sell a will-fit part as an OEM and create a, uh, you know, make a quick buck, but then it causes trouble for you.
1: Absolutely. I've even heard of people taking um, cars in for exchange or to get fit, and they'll actually take out Absolutely, parts yeah. and replace them with counterfeits. Right, right, that exists, right? right? Um, Another area as well, I'm a cyclist. Yeah. this is a huge area. Exactly. The, so, I mean, the I, I used fake. to
2: cycle as well. Yeah. I own a sh- uh, you know a bike which has a Shimano with Tiagra as well, and it has the same concerns. I mean, w- when I when I go and uh, you know work on replace my I mean so- service my gears, mm. how do I know
1: if something's not? Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Good. So we've identified potential verticals for this, and I'm sure there's a lot more. How do you make money out of this? Where's the the revenue model in this? All
2: right. So revenue model right now the way we are looking at it and this is very very fluid right so mm. right now on an immediate basis we are not looking at making a quick buck this is a long term thing for us um so we haven't really looked at it in uh, at every single moment that we can make money but at a top line being able to you know give a solution to a brand and um, who, who can then go ahead and prove all of these this authenticity is and is basically enough for us to make money from uh, going forward Uh, There are other ways to do like the QR codes or the NFC chips or whatever we can go. And and since we own that part of it, so we could make up, you know, make up something on that as well. Uh, So there is a SaaS subscription model, which we can work out with the brands that, hey, to be part of the ecosystem and continue using us, you got to pay us this subscription Mm. fee on a monthly basis. So those are the various, uh, you know, revenue fields that we have looked at.
1: Okay. And how do you get the the end users, the consumers using this? Because that's going to be a challenge, isn't it? Because right. they can pay as a SaaS model to implement this, but you have to have a, a consumer at the other end who's willing to use it, right? Absolutely,
2: and that's where the, it's a, it would be a shared responsibility between us and the brands. So some brands already have a whole lot of assets. So like one of the pilots that we are doing right now with a fashion designer in India, uh, she has a beautiful story to tell. Uh, she ha- she makes all of her products, uh, the right way. Uh, there is a lot and her products are basically her clothing and everything is made by a rural population. So there is a lot of employment that she's creating and every piece that she creates and every piece that she sells, there is a story to tell. So, and there is content available for all of this. So, and she's already trying to share that content mm-hmm. using the ineffective mediums of today. Which she already agreed that these are ineffective. You know, what you're giving me is going to be a lot more efficient and a lot more effective. So now she's sharing the responsibility for, with us that, hey, you know, just give me this platform. I will market it to the people who are in getting involved with my clothes or my products. And I'll tell them, hey, you know what? You want to know more? Just use your phone in this manner. And we've got some engagement from the consumers there. On an ongoing basis, I really don't know how to become some uh, an app which is as downloaded as let's say whatsapp or mm. facebook i don't have an answer for that yet mm. but that's essentially the guidance that we are looking for
1: okay yeah. maybe you can use whatsapp or facebook yes we could we could absolutely There's options absolutely. It, rather than build your own platform. absolutely
2: so i never be- i mean i don't believe in reinventing the wheel sure
1: so going back to your fashion designer you've mentioned that in this instance it's not just about the provenance aspect and trust but you're also adding in extra content she can then say for example if you want to know about the people who actually made this object then you know you can learn about their backstory so you're creating a a portal to absolutely you know you know consumers who are really into products and they they really like this stuff they want to know about the backstory for them it's they want to be part of that story and
2: especially the millennial generation of today right i mean people i mean personally i look at my own shopping habits i'm an extremely extremely value conscious shopper when i buy something i i I mean and I used to be in the corporate world, so I wouldn't say that I don't make money. I made money, but when I spent that money, I was extremely extremely cautious on how i'm spending it why i'm am, am I paying thousand bucks for that pair of shoes? Yeah, I have thousand bucks to pay for the shoes. that's not the problem, but I really need to understand why am I paying the thousand bucks so if the brand can convince me that hey, this is why you're paying the thousand bucks, I'm willing to pay for it
1: mm. Could you also i mean I'm just wondering like with food in One of the aspects is if you're value conscious, there's another aspect of being health conscious as well. Yes, absolutely. Some people want to find out about organic or they want to find out the ingredients. Is it GMO? Absolutely. Is it, for example, does it contain allergens? Not all packaging has that, or if it does, it's becoming more and more complicated, isn't it, the packaging? Like now, there used to be, there used to be a time where you just put, it contains dairy, but now it has to have like 20 different allergens on there.
0: And on top of this, all this is like written in a really, really small font.
1: Yeah, and if you're my age, and you've got children, <laughs> and you're struggling to see... Absolutely. I'm serious. Like, you're, you're completely right. And you know? I mean,
2: recently, um, the European Union went ahead and made some directives as to... What is all the information that needs to be printed on a cigarette carton? Yeah. And if I were to go ahead and say that by 2022, if they are to follow the letter of the law and put in all that information, either the carton has to be that, that pack has to become, you know, you know, three or four times its size, or the font needs a magnifying glass. Right. <laughs> right? Or so so basically cigarettes will then come with a free magnifying glass. Yeah. Uh, otherwise it's just pointless. Yeah. So we are essentially
1: helping all of those people as well. There is a bottleneck there in in consumer packaging, isn't it? That consumer packaging over time is only gonna get smaller in theory or less. It's not gonna get bigger. Yet the information that brands wanna put on a package is gonna increase because consumers like yourselves, as you say your your value conscious will demand more, right? You know, there was a time when there weren't any ingredients. Now we want ingredients. Now we want allergens. Now we want nutritional information. And where does it go from there? There's going to be a lot more. You know, where was this made? Who made this? When was this delivered? And so on. How do you get that all onto a package? Exactly. I mean, the cigarette example is going to apply to everything, isn't it? Exactly. So exactly. That's the bottleneck, you know, yeah. and that is the real estate that's fixed, isn't it? If somebody can deal with that, right. somebody can come up with a problem.
2: Right. So that's essentially, I mean, one of the verticals that we would look at as well. Like how do we help brands communicate? Everything that they want—be yeah. it provenance, value-conscious, health-conscious—I mean, they are the best guys to know what their customer archety- archetypes are. They are the best guys to know how they want to sell the product. We are not helping them do their market, their their brand creation for them. Mm. But they have put in all this effort, like being from PNG. I have seen the amount of effort that used to go in into making all of this material and content. And then you kind of so 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 PNG is great with TV, right? I mean, they created soap operas, so really, really great stuff. So imagine trying to put like six, eight months, or maybe a year's worth of content into a thirty-second copy mm. or a twenty-five-second copy, and it's difficult. So either there is a lot left behind, which is still available, or it's just not good enough. Uh, and and now we are kind of just exploding that real estate and saying, okay, you can go ahead and put whatever you want. Mm. We'll just keep making more space for you.
1: Yeah. And in theory, it's unlimited, isn't it? There's no shelf space. There's no packaging real estate that you have to work within the confines of, right? Very interesting. And um, okay, so thank you for the walkthrough on the product side. Let's talk about the journey. So at the top of the show, we talked about the fact that you both met at Antler. So now in March, you are coming up to like two months, right? Is Mm -hmm. that about right? Yeah. Very early stages. Is it just the two of you at the moment? Yes. Okay. So we've
2: got two. I mean, as part of co-founders, as part of the officially on the company, it's just the two of us. Okay. But we've got a whole lot of friends and family who's helping us. Sure,
1: always helps when you're a startup. So there's the two of you. What happens next? So for those that aren't familiar with an accelerator program, how does it work from here? So you are coming up to the second half of the program now, right? Or the the business end of the program. You're preparing for demo day. So, it's not yet preparing
2: for demo day. Uh, Basically, how Antler works, and this is, I mean, I'm just kind of trying to put my opinion here or my way of the way what I see. Uh, Of course, Antler would do a better job at it. So, the way it works is the first two, two and a half months is when, is, is, is literally the first part. And after that, the preparations for demo day begin. Okay. And in the first two and a half months, they will make a decision that if they want to invest in us, uh, or let us know that, you know, are we even going to get some investment from them, which they can invest in over the next three, four months. Um, so we are still in that phase. Yeah. Uh, we haven't really reached the demo day phase yet.
1: Right. Okay. What point do you start actively going out there and raising funds?
2: Um, again, <laughs> this is a question which you asked me. So to personally, as a startup, uh, uh, last year I was working for another startup. So I've kind of learned that you never say no. To raising funds mm-hmm. uh, you always build that uh, connection you always go and have that first coffee um, so we are always willing to talk to people uh, in terms of actively raising funds I guess we'll be waiting for what Antler does and how, how how we kind of progress with them uh, and then we and right now we don't even know how much we really need so yeah. at the end of the day it comes down to how much of my soul we, I need to sell to uh, you know be able to get that fund and what, what what's it coming with
1: okay. At what point do you think you'll know you're ready? And when we have a number?
2: I suppose a month more. Yeah. Probably a month. I think think let's commit here, Harsh, that a month more and that's what we target for then. Right. Okay.
1: Good. You're right. Start talking to angel investors before you need their money. Yeah. The biggest mistake that founders make is see that angel investors as ATMs. And, yeah, that, and 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 they're human beings, right? right? And I think if you start early, they can offer advice, and if you take the on board the advice, make changes that increases your chance of success. Absolutely, absolutely.
2: And I think we kind of discussed this on email as well, right? I mean, I am not looking as uh, as an at an investor as just someone as an ATM who's going to put money right now. We are pretty much in zero gravity still. Uh, you know, we just discuss so many different verticals, and and we could shoot off in any of those directions as of yeah. now. And all of them pretty big in my mind, right? And all of them solvable and real problems to be solved there. We just don't know how difficult it is to solve any of those problems yet. And how long will each of those verticals take to conquer?
1: So is there somebody, for example, is there some skill or is there some experience base that you really would like to talk to somebody about? For example, if, if you were specifically targeting logistics and you didn't come from a logistics background, but you had a great you know, solution, you would love to talk to somebody who's, you know, 15, 20 years in logistics. It may be an investor, it may be a mentor, it may be somebody who can simply open doors. Is there anybody, for example, that has a a domain um, sector expertise or a certain hard skill that you would like to talk to at this early stage?
2: So hard skills, definitely. I mean, uh, uh, right now, I mean, this again, we we we've been focusing a lot on marketing and branding and basically working. So from that standpoint, I do have mentors and people that I reach out to from my PNG experience and all of that. So more of those people would definitely help. But that is a that is an area or a network which I already have. But what I, what we would really need as of now is the question that you mentioned. You know, how do we kind of get people to use this? How do we get users to adopt? How do we communicate that to users, uh, at, uh, and create the pull for our business, as opposed mm. to us trying to hustle and push? Yeah. Uh, so, someone who's done that kind of scalable, uh, you know, work—someone who, from early days of WhatsApp, let's right. say, application
1: side, they, mobile application—yeah, would application, be a good thing, right? Yeah.
2: Right. So, someone who's basically had that journey, who started with pretty much nothing and yeah. had like five hundred million downloads—I don't know—I mean, the random number there, but. But That's someone who's gone kind of looked at that and been a part of that. And what are the things to think about? Those would be an interesting, that would be an interesting area for us to, you know, get to know someone.
1: Yeah, you really want to get up the learning curve fast and learn from their mistakes. Because educating the market can be hugely costly. Absolutely. So somebody who's done that, absolutely, who has learned the hard way, if you like, yeah. they could have a good conversation with you. Yes, absolutely. And they, they can tell you, look, you know, don't do this, do that, yep. follow this path. Yep. Don't even think about that, but that's going to save you a lot of time and money, right? Right.
2: And personally, I mean, being a thinker, it allows me to get, give that respect to that person immediately because he's been there, done that. Yeah. But, you know, I end up having a few coffee conversations with people who haven't done that much and are basically saying, hey, you know what? You got to go do this. But how do you know it's
1: going to work? Yeah. There's plenty of advice out
2: there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: It's, it's more in supply than demand. Right? Yeah, so we've got to
2: filter that out. Okay. And as an early oh. stage, I mean, that's where uh, we uh, we struggle with.
1: Okay, we well, we put it out there. So anybody that is listening, watching from that background, it would be great to reach out to these chaps as well. Thank you. Okay, and um just a little bit about your sort of working relationship as well. So... I think it's quite clear that you have different personalities and you come across differently and you have different strengths as well. How's that been for sort of working together? Have you found a a couple of months? Maybe we can ask Harsh because you're sort of, you're more of the quieter type. So
0: so, uh, like to get to know uh, uh, each other better. So we did uh, some sort of hackathon kind of thing. Like that was totally off track what we are building right now. But we like somehow managed to build it in two days. And uh, Manan was eventually able to sell it, like mm. to get to the probable customers. So that basically built confidence between both of us. Ki, okay, so he's the proper hustler guy. I'm the hacker guy and we'll build this thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Was yeah. that within Antler you did that? Uh,
0: yeah, during our Antler day, initial day. So like we wanted to build What did something. you build? So
2: that uh, one second, let, let me just give the backstory to that, right? So, Antler allows us to do these uh, hackathons, uh, and basically, that's they want to they want team members to stress test each other. Yeah. So, so one of these hackathons happened to be have had like forty eight hours of a time frame. Of course, they don't expect people to work twenty four hours, but that's the stress test I put myself on that Let me just go all out and work forty eight hours. So, the challenge, which kind of worked out, was let's make something which could be a viable business and make revenue in 48 hours. Let's see where this goes, right? right. How are we going to kind of do this? And Harsh has some ideas. So of course, he can talk about the technology. But at the end of 48 hours, we got a free car wash. In my mind, that's
1: $14. Well done. It's more than zero. Exactly. Yeah, and that's the, revenue. The distance between zero and one is bigger than one to a thousand, right? Exactly.
2: Exactly. So so, so, so getting a free, free car, car wash is <laughs> was perfect in my mind.
1: Well done. And Thank so you. in the 48 hours, did you sleep? Oh, yes, we did. Uh, so I think about 68 hours. hours. 68 hours. There you go. There you have it. That is the life of the entrepreneur, the co-founders. It's been a... I've enjoyed actually speaking to you chaps as well, and I can see and I think what I've really enjoyed is your very early stage in the journey, but it's not like you're um, without the skills or the right ideas. You've got the, the track is set in place, and you've got great support with Antler as well. And I don't know if you were lucky to find your feet and meet each other, but there seems to be quite complementary skill sets. You know, that is obviously one of the challenges. If there's too much of an overlap, it can be a bit of a friction. But it seems like you're quite clear and happy for each of you to take on certain aspects of that partnership as well.
2: Absolutely. And I think me and Harsh kind of discussed that in the beginning, uh, that I literally went to set theory and mathematics, right? That if you have like Venn diagrams, I literally do Venn diagrams for the both of us. Yeah. I am completely the hustler, right? I've got very little hacking skills. I, I can speak your language, but I hardly understand the tech underneath it. Uh, and Harsh is like, yeah, I can build a lot, but I don't know how to sell, right? And so, so my point was that let the overlap just be the vision, yeah. right? Everything else doesn't matter because then we, we're going to be complementary to each other. And essentially, even when like looking at potential teammates, looking at potential people to hire in the early days, that's the way I'm looking at it. I mean, I would appreciate your feedback and guidance on that as to how much of an overlap is really good. But right now between he, me and Harsh, I would say the vision is the, pretty much the only overlap.
1: Yeah. Well, you've already stress tested as well. And I think that is critical because you, it's all is, very well. And my favorite startup quote of the moment is Mike Tyson, who says, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. And I think startup life is like that. Everybody goes out with a strategy, but when the SH1T hits the fan, <laughs> let's see how they really get on together, right? Let's see how they really cope. And that is the ultimate test. And if you've been through that, everything else falls apart. You know, with the right people, strategy just comes, right? You know, it all falls into place. And the fact you've been through these pressure cooker environments is, I think, for anybody looking outside, whether the potential hire, partner, client, investor, you know, that's one Box checked off. Right? Right. That's one. That's one thing. De-risked is that okay? How are these guys going to really cope? You know, when the you know they run out of the enthusiasm of being starting founders, and then the reality of eating Maggie noodles hits, then all that kind of stuff. Let's see how they really are. But you've already you know tested yourselves out here. So I
2: mean, it's 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 basically like seeing the winter times and the summer times together, right? So. I kind of maybe overdid it a bit and tried to do it as early as possible and as fast as possible because in the past I've been disappointed. So I didn't want to get disappointed again. Uh, So from my learning experiences, I was like, hey, you know what? If I'm doing this, I'm doing this right or I'm going back to INSEAD. Yeah. So... Validate it. uh, So yes, uh, that validation was something which was required for me. So Harsh, maybe um, I got to apologize to you as well. But uh, yeah, I kind of pushed both of us to have those... Winter times and summer times together as soon as possible, as early as possible.
1: Yeah, it's a good sign. If you can get to the moment of truth fast, right, that's a good sign because easily done in the startup world is kicking the can down the road. Absolutely. Whether that's actually asking for money, you know, pitching a client or having your first sort of fallout or whatever over an idea, just get to that quickly, get it over and then see how you are at the other side of it, right? Right. so far, so good. Two months Absolutely. in, yeah, chaps. It's been a real pleasure having you on the show. Thank you, Manan and Harsh from Absolute. I think this is the beginning, and hopefully, a part two is due at some point, right? And I think we we'll look forward to you it. You know, now. it's a journey. Um, I think you're also being quite honest as well, which I like because you've been very sort of straightforward with this is where we are. We don't have all the answers, so I, you know, investors don't like BS. You know, when you try and style your way out of not knowing about a certain industry, but you're very honest and upfront and said, look, this is what we're building. We know there's a problem. We don't have the full solution yet. We don't know all these different industries, but we're here and we're asking for help. That sort of checks another box for an investor. Because if you say, yeah, I know, I know all of this. It's fine. It works. And we, you know, we have a product, but I can't show you yet. All those kind of things. So good on that front. And I'm glad that you came with that sort of candor as well, because that's really appreciated and refreshing as well in the startup world. So I'm wishing you all the best. What is the best way for anybody watching, whether they're a potential investor, potential partner, potential hire long-term, anybody that's inspired by your story? um, How would you like them to reach out to you?
2: Um, Well, they can just reach out to us via our website, www.justabsolute.com. Or my email address is Manan M-A-N-N-A-N, at justabsolute.com. And Harsh can be reached at harsh at justabsolute.com. So H-A-R-S-H.
1: Excellent. All the details in the show notes. Gentlemen, thank you so much for sharing your journey today. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you, Graham. Thank you, Graham.
0: You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show.